It's the Michelle the Trainer Show with your host, Michelle the Trainer. Michelle the Trainer. MTT is Michelle the Trainer. Aloha and welcome to the episode 11 of the Michelle the Trainer Show with our very special guest star, Peter Kelsey. Peter Kelsey is an Emmy Award winning re-recording mixer, a Grammy Award winning recording engineer and producer. He started his career at the world-famous Trident Recording Studios in London and eventually moved into audio post-production in Los Angeles, starting on a little show called Ally McBeal. He actually won three Emmys for Ally McBeal and one for Boston Legal. Peter's also a black belt in Taekwondo and is currently learning to be a public speaker at Club Captivate near Los Angeles. From the Publish My Book dot today website, and you're listening to the Michelle the Trainer Show. Aloha and welcome to the Michelle the Trainer Show. Today, we've got the episode everyone's been waiting for. We've got my great friend Peter Kelsey, who is an audio engineer extraordinaire. I'm so intimidated to have him on the line with me because I am not really an audio engineer, as I'm sure some of you listeners have figured out through my uh, 10 or so episodes. But Peter really has an impressive resume for audio engineering, lots of our favorite shows, everything from Call Me Earl to Millennium to, I don't know, Peter can tell us more, and um, an extensive history in audio engineering for film and television. And he just so happened to just finish up a gig working on the Disney show Dog with a Blog. Right, Peter? That's right. That's <laughs> right, Michelle. Yeah. So, um, and then I want to thank Brendan Walker from St. Louis, Missouri, who actually sent us some really good questions. Uh, Brendan is, is in an entrepreneurial group with me for idea brainstorming, which I'll tell Peter about later. And every, if you want to know, I'll let you know. It's a wonderful group. But um, yeah, so he sent us some questions for Peter uh, regarding his work on the dog with the blog Disney show, which just wrapped up. Right, Peter? Yes. Uh, just a couple of months ago, a few months ago. So it went three seasons? It went three seasons. And so tell me about your career in general and how did you end up at On Dog with a Blog? How I ended up on Dog with a Blog. So <laughs> I was working for RH Factor, which is an audio post-production company in Burbank. And the show came in and actually another mixer did the first episode. But he left and I took over doing the shows. Basically, I'd been working for RH Factor for several years since they formed their company, in fact, in uh, 1999, I think it was, or 2000, and worked on many of the shows that they had uh, bring in. And when they bring in a new show, then I usually get to work on it. That's great. So RH Factor, if you guys don't know Los Angeles, I know we have an international audience you know, Los Angeles has a lot of cities inside of it, and Burbank is one of them. And some of you might know Universal Studios is like right next door to Burbank. And there are a lot of studios and a lot of post-production uh, companies and houses and warehouses and such in that area. So that's where RH Factor is. So um, so overall, your your career overall, I mean, you've been at this since the early 90s? Since the X Files, even I worked at Fox Studios during the X Files. <laughs> um, I started in post production in '97 uh -huh. on the show Ally McBeal. Oh, I remember that show. And Millennium. That was another great show. What has been your best decision 
career-wise from 1997 when you started doing post-production audio editing or sound recording um, to now? Well, it started actually long before that when I first got into basically the music business. I was a recording engineer. I recorded and mixing, mixed albums for many, many years. And initially starting to work at Trident Studios in London was one of the best decisions I ever made. I applied and they needed someone at the time and I got in. And it was one of the top studios, top independent studios in the world at that time. Did they do any albums that we might know of in Trident Studios? All the early Elton John stuff was done there. All the early David Bowie stuff was done there. Nielsen Schmielsen, uh, Carly Simon. Uh, Everyone loves Carly Simon. <laughs> you're so vain on. Yeah, yeah. So I worked on, the, I, that was the first album that I worked on as a second engineer, was the Carly Simon album with You're So Vain On. Wow, that's great. And I got to work on Elton John's Yellow Brick Road. Wow. As a, a mixer, I was a second engineer, but I was part of the mixing team. Then when I came here, I was doing a lot of scoring mixing, which means I was recording music for TV and movies. And then I had some kids, and it suddenly wasn't, wasn't viable to be freelance and not working for a few months and then working and so on. So I moved into doing post-production. So things were more regular and you weren't traveling yes. quite so much, right? Right. Yeah. I, I really lucked out because I joined some great people who were doing really good work and I learned, learned from them. And that was the... We were at another company called West Productions at the time, which is where they were doing X-Files and um, the practice picket fences mm -hmm. and they formed a new team and I joined that team and we started doing Ally McBeal and Millennium. That's great. So if you were, were uh, guiding someone, you know, to, to look to uh, being a sound re-recording mixer or audio engineer uh, for a studio or for a series or for a movie, um, I'm sure a lot of things have changed since you started. Uh, what advice would you give them? A lot has changed since I started. And the way I started is I joined a studio and then observed and asked questions and learned that way. These days, I really believe that you need training. There is so much equipment and so much is really technical that you need to get training of some kind. So I would advise getting some kind of training at some kind of school and then work as an intern and just learn as much as you can and be prepared to do anything to get in. Yeah. I, mean, I started, I was what's called a tea boy or a gopher here. I would make tea and coffee and run errands. <laughs> and you really have to want it more than anything because you're going to, when you first start out, you're not going to be asked to do the, the real job that you want to do. You're going to have to do other things and help other people get their jobs done. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved loved it, basically, working in this industry. I've always loved it. And no matter what I had to do, it's never felt like a job to me. And I didn't study. The way I learned was I observed, asked questions, and then tried it out for myself. But there was one other thing I wanted to say about uh, if somebody wants to get into this industry, mm -hmm. that you really have to cultivate relationships. People hire who they know. Sure. So the more you can get to know people in the industry and cultivate a relationship with them, the better. 
long before you actually need work from them. <laughs> and that's, I don't know if you heard of Jessica Sitema, but she's basically a coach who coaches people in this industry. And she always said that you need to have at least three meetings to begin a relationship. And you should never, ever ask for work the first time you meet somebody. What's her last name, Peter? Sitema, S-I-T-O-M-E-R. Good to know. Well, yeah, I think that's true for anything, really. I mean, there's so, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation we could have about the word networking and what is networking and what is cool networking and what is, you know, horrible self-promotion and what is, uh, is drinking networking or, you know, people think, I think all kinds of other things are networking except for actually building relationships. And sometimes people don't necessarily really get what that means anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. I was going to mention a few of the shows that I worked on since I started in this industry. Do it, do it. So, started on Ally McBeal, then Millennium, or along with Millennium at the same time. And I've done a lot of David Kelly shows, including Boston Public, Boston Legal, Harry's Law, and the Crazy Ones, which was uh, um, Robin Williams' last show. Oh. Yeah, that was local in Los Angeles, right? Right. Then I, then my name is Earl, Raising Hope, and I worked on the middle for six years. My name is Earl, has great music. <laughs> right. And then Resurrection, I did the first season of Resurrection, and then a, a show called Stitches, which is just on ABC Family, which is a science fiction show. But you're missing one of my favorite ones that you did. Which one? Arrested Development. Oh, Arrested Development, yes. Did you do the banana stand line? <laughs> I love that line. On that show, I was actually doing effects. It was before I moved into the dialogue chair. These days, I do dialogue and music. But uh -huh. that, on that particular show, I was doing effects and foley. So, yeah, I meant to put that one down, and I somehow overlooked it. And then I've done some independent movies. There's a movie called The Boys of Abu Ghraib by uh, Luke Moran. He's the director, the star and the writer, and his brother, Kent Moran, also did a movie with him called The Challenger. That's he, Abu Ghraib, let me just spell it, A-B-U-G-H-R-A-I-B. Yes. Yeah. And The Challenger, which is a boxing movie by Kent Moran, and he is the director and the star and the writer. And then actually the last independent movie I did was a movie called Battle Creek, which was directed by Alison Eastwood, which is Clint Eastwood's daughter. Oh, that's wonderful. So. We got to talk about that later then. <laughs> <laughs> so when you've been working on these things, you know, joking about the banana stand on Arrested Development and, you know, the X-Files and, and, you know, the crazy ones who had our late and loved Robin Williams. I mean, are you actually in... You, let's give people a, a picture of the scene. I mean, there's a studio or an outdoor set set up, but does audio mixing or sound mixing or fully, does that take place in and around that? So, for example, on Dog with a Blog, are you actually in the same room with the dog or no? Not at all. <laughs> all that is done in production. There's a production mixer who records the audio on the set as they are actually acting. And I'm in post-production, which means that all that audio is given to me, edited by a 
dialogue editor or music editor or effects editor and then I have to mix that all together so I do not see the dog I do not see the kids I do not work with them all I get is the sound that they have produced that is given to me that I have to work with uh -huh, work with or enhance or edit or whatever right yes okay so you never really had to deal with the dog on the show or best or worst things about working uh, with a dog on a show yeah or no no, uh, right, what, how did I phrase this? Um, yeah, I, I don't deal directly with the talent. That happens during the production. Yeah, and so kids would be the talent, the dog would be the talent, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and so, um, so finding your next gig, and you know I'm very close to a lot of industry people, and I know how this goes. Everybody's happy when they're working, and then maybe there's a seasonal break or sometimes people are on a series and they, they're, you know, they only get a very small break or sometimes it's a, it's a gig with an end and then they're wondering where's the next gig. And the, we have a lot of, I'm hoping to have a show where we talk about, um, you know, Hollywood and the issues in Los Angeles and trying to bring more uh, recurring film back to Los Angeles, which is another topic of interest to me as a California resident <laughs> yes. um, because, you know, even all, all levels of work that are created by the entertainment industry affect everybody that lives in and around. And again, also like you brought up, you know, having a family and not wanting to travel. So again, sometimes people have to, if they want their next gig, now they're going to another country or now they're going to Canada or now they're going to Florida or now they're going to Louisiana is very popular. Um, so when you're looking for your next gig, are you just hanging out at that studio in Burbank or how does this go down? It's usually the company that I do most of my work for depends what shows they bring in and I will get assigned some of those, those shows. The new company that I'm working for now, which is Smart Post Sound. Yeah, congratulations. In Burbank. They, they have a lot of different crews and they have shows that come in and some of the crews can't do those shows. So I might be given those specific shows. As of now, I'm not quite sure what other shows I'm going to be doing. I do know I'm doing Kevin from Work, which is a half hour comedy. Again, I think for ABC Family. That's great. Now, I also, you know, try to keep in contact with my, you know, post-production network, the other people that I know, other, other re-recording mixers, and, and also the music clients that I've had in the past. I still do some music mixing on the side. I have one particular friend who I mix his albums every time he has an album to mix. That's so, great. And so that's done. Again, I, I only know what I learned from the documentary Sound City about, you know, album mixing, you know, that Sound City studio that used to be in Van Nuys. Right. Um, I know the studio. In fact, I visited one time uh, quite a few years ago now. Did you really? Yeah. And so they they showcased in that documentary. Uh, the documentary was directed by Dave Grohl, and it was pretty pretty brilliant how he... <laughs> He explained and, and kind of taught the board that he purchased that was in that studio. Right. Right. And now he moved that analog board somewhere else. Um, so how does that work for you? Do you have all your equipment at your house or do you rent a studio? Or 
I have a small Pro Tool setup at my house, but I don't typically use it. I've done a few mixes for people. Um, it's not designed for clients to come into. Sure. So most of my work is done either at other people's houses or at a studio that they rent. And the majority of the work these days is done in the box, meaning that there's it's all done within Pro Tools with plugins and so on. And there's really no external gear that gets used. And sometimes when I'm doing music, and it's available, I might use an external device because of the sound of it. But all the post-production work, all the mixing of TV shows is all done within Pro Tools, as they say, in the box. So it's all digital. It's all... Sure. So. Sure. And then uh, one of Brendan's questions was, advantages and disadvantages of working on a kid's or family show... Um, look, just tell me, what, how do you feel about that versus working on music? I mean, what's your favorite? Would you see any challenges on either side? Any, anything that you love about it? Anything that? Each show is a new challenge. Depends on how good the production mixer is and what kind of noise and so on is there. So each, each show is a new challenge within, you know, if it's, a different show within Dog Weather Blog, then some would be noisier than others and would pre present me with, me with more challenges to, to get the sound right. Because we want to hear the dialogue. We don't want to hear the noise that was in the studio at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly battling that against getting the dialogue there so you can hear it without, without the noise. And... And also, if they decide to do ADR, which is uh, artificial dialogue replacement, meaning that for some lines, they would have them go and re-record re it at a later date, I have to make that match into the existing sound from the production so it sounds the same. That's tough. So that you wouldn't know that anyone had actually re-recorded that specific line. So no specific challenges to deal with a kid's show or a family show. Or any show, it's like the same challenges, if you like, each time. I'm presented with a different piece of dialogue, and I have to deal with the one that's in front of me. Yeah, I would, I would think that indoors versus outdoors, indoors versus outdoors on the same show or same episode might be even worse. Indoors is usually a lot easier to deal with, although in some cases they have a lot of lights and stuff which give hums that you have to get rid of. Exteriors depends how good the production mixer is, but sometimes you get stuff where all the traffic is there and you have to diminish that as much as you can so that you can hear the dialogue. And creatively, do you, do you have creative freedom on any of these shows with special effects or are there, is there any suggestions that you can make while you're doing the audio for a show, something that you think should be replaced or something that could be better? Um, I get to mix it basically the way I hear it to begin with. But then you have clients who give you notes and the clients are paying the bills and they get to dictate what it is that you do. So if they don't like something, they will let you know and you change it so that they they get what they're after. Yeah. So it, I do have some creative freedom, but... In the end, it's the client who will dictate uh, whether he likes it or not, what I have done. And I'll, I'll, if he doesn't like it, I will change it. I'd be happy to do so. 
the name of the next show, the half an hour sitcom? I'm doing Kevin from work. Kevin from work. And that's ABC? ABC Family. There was a question here, most important books you have read, which I took as a very general question. I don't know if you want me to answer that. Yeah, I touched on that a little bit just with training and stuff. But if there's any books that you've read that you feel that have helped you, again, you also you have a, a huge resume full of work. And as we're all working, I think it, it's also just general interest, not even specific to working on a show or just specific to being a working person in general. I think we'd all like to know, you know, are there books that you like that inspire you or, or you know, what else have you read that you would recommend? Well, for entertainment, I mean, I love lots of science fiction. I read a lot of science fiction when I was a kid. I still like to read that and I like to read thrillers. <laughs> but then other stuff, anything by Tim Ferriss. He did the four-hour work week. The Four Hour Body and The Four Hour Chef. Yes. Yeah, everybody's a big Tim Ferriss fan. He's been doing some great uh, Periscope shows online where they broadcast live on Twitter. And uh, he's really owning that, you know. He has a wonderful podcast, too, where he interviews really great people. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. So. I'll send you the link the next time he does a Periscope. Is there anybody else? When I was younger, I read a lot of Edward de Bono's books. He, all his books are about thinking. He invented the term lateral thinking, which means, lateral thinking means, vertical thinking is where you're digging a hole and you keep digging it deeper and deeper and deeper. Lateral thinking is where you dig a hole and you go away from that and dig another hole and so on. So he has a whole bunch of books about thinking, which are really, really good. Then recently books that I've read that I really like. There's one called You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza, mm -hmm. where he really details how spontaneous remissions work and how you can program your mind to affect your body and the genes within your body to, to change your body. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, you know what they say in martial arts, where the head goes, the body will follow. Um, and there, you know that there's something to that, you know. And then another one, Being You, Changing the World by Dr. Dane here. He's one of the co-creators of Access Consciousness, which I talked to you about before. Uh-huh. It's a wonderful book about basically being yourself. And by just being yourself, you can change the world. There it is. Being You, comma, Changing the World. Yes. By Dr. Dane here. D-A-I-N-H-E-E-R. Yes. That's good stuff. Uh, that, that about covers it for now. Obviously, I've read a lot. <laughs> well, I'm sure more questions will come in for you, Peter, and then we can have you back. We could talk more about the, uh, you know, the brain stuff and, and other topics like that. But I really want to thank you uh, for your time, and I can't wait to talk to you after your next gig. We'll give the names of these books, the name of Jessica Sitomer, um, the Peter's IMDb link will all be on the show notes. And I really, really want to thank you for your time, Peter. Oh, you're very welcome, Michelle. All right. I will see you soon. I am certain. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you. 
Find us at M-I-C-H-E-L-E, thetrainer.com. Read Michelle's blog posts at engineeringwellness.com. At M-I-C-H-E-L-E, trainer on Twitter.